0: Hey loves, and welcome back to part two of the Enneagram series. I am so excited to dive into today's conversation with Roland Leg. He was on last week for part one of our Enneagram series. So if you haven't tuned into that yet, I highly suggest you go back, listen to part one so this part two makes so much more sense. In part one, we go through all nine types of the Enneagram, and you will absolutely love that episode. And if you don't yet, know your type, you will definitely get a good sense or a good feel for what type you are after listening to that episode. And last week I was talking about how I am a type four with a five wing. Now, if you're not sure what wings are, that's what we talk about in this week's episode. So we talk about wings, how to find your wing and what that act Means. And then we also talk about subtypes. So there's three different subtypes that you can be as a type. So that just like kind of paints the picture for you how unique all of these different types are because I'm a type four with a five wing and I have a certain subtype and there's just so many different combinations and that's what makes us all so unique. And so, I'm so excited for you to listen to this hour with Roland. He has so much knowledge and at the end of the episode you'll find out how you can work with him so he does offer distance coaching if you're not local and I'm sure that if you are local I know who you are because I'm from such a small city so hello but anyways if you're not local which the majority of you are not, you can work with Roland. He is an expert on Enneagram and he is a personal identity coach and he's just a wealth of knowledge. So you can find all about him at the end of the show, how to work with him, but I also have everything linked up for you in the show notes. He has a great Instagram page as well where he talks about Enneagram personal development all of those things. You'll love his page. So enjoy the show, my loves. And next week is my birthday week, which means we have a fun episode coming for you as well with a special guest, J.D. Angles. But that's next week. For now, it is Roland Legg. Awesome. So shall we get started? Yes. Okay. So I know last week I talked about, I talked a little bit about wings and I was saying how I'm a type four with a five wing, but we never actually dove into the topic of wings. So can you enlighten us on what wings are? Because when I first found the Enneagram, I had no idea what a wing was. And I had one of my friends ask me, oh, well, what wing are you? And I had no idea what she was talking about.
1: Well, so if you if you see a, a diagram of the, the Enneagram, it's a circle. And so whenever you're sort of figuring out your type, you first find the one that fits closest to you. But we rarely are ever, ever right exactly on that. So, for example, as you've discovered, you are a four. That's your predominant place. But if, if you're putting the dot on that circle, you are somewhere between the four and the five. But you're still closer to the four than you are. So you are more four than five. But this means you take on some of the qualities of the type five. So it just means when you're um, exploring your type, first you find your own. And then you think, okay, I'm either side. So I, for example, I'm a six with a five wing. And so it just means when I figured out I was a six, when I finally accepted I was a six. uh, (laughs) I didn't want to be a six, but I am. Um, I then looked at the five and the seven and decided which one I'm closest to. But again, so one of the things I've learned is that um, I tend to go on to the five. And the whole thing about the Enneagram is you want to get as healthy in all nine types as possible. The idea is to get you out of the box. So I've been learning, sort of so the symbolically, of learning to fly. So I've been working on my seven side. And I'm uh, just full of the universe works, God, spirit, universe, whatever you want to describe it as. I've met so many sevens in the last... Recent years, that um, it's really helping me to get um, comfortable, more comfortable with my seven energy. So if I have both my wings working well, then I can fly, I can soar. So, and the more I can get healthy in both wings, again, that gets me healthier in all in my all in all my nine types.
0: Wow, I never even thought about it that way. That is so cool because, obviously, I know that all of us have all nine types within us at certain like percentages, right? But we're all more dominant in one type. So me being a four. Um, And then I have like a strong wing of being a five. But I love how you put that. Like if you wanted to really get balanced and fly, so to speak, then that would require me to become a stronger three or really like tap into that three.
1: Right. That is so neat. I don't know you very well yet, Meg, but I mean, my sense is like the three has at its strongest. You're great at empowering others. You are creative. You have lots of energy. Um, There's a, a playfulness for you. Um, You really want to make a difference in the world. Um, So I can see that coming out in you is that that sort of that strong and wanting to encourage other people being a mentor. That's a big thing for a three is Mm -hmm. being a mentor. Mm -hmm. Um, As a six, I go to when I'm getting less healthy, I go towards a three. So if I looked at the less healthy aspects of the three, which any type when you get, you start to lose who you are. lose your true identity that's when you get into manipulation and the three gets really concerned about manipulating others into they want to look good so they three when they're not at their best can get really caught up in image and then they can start to become what I call a chameleon they'll go into any situation and they'll try and think what do I need to be a success how do I need to look how do I need to sound how I need to behave now. Most they're not conscious of doing this, so it's always good to look at both the healthy to average levels of health when you're looking on both on your wing and your your areas where you where you go to your your home base. Um, but so look at your wing, but also look at some of the healthy aspects of it and some of the average aspects of it.
0: Okay, and when we look at wings, it just reminds us that even though, you know, I could be with a group of fours, but we're all so different because we'll all have different wings, first of all, right? And there's also something called subtypes, which I feel like I'm just getting familiar with now. So I'm really excited for you to educate me on this.
1: (laughs) So I'm just going to go through the three subtypes but it's just like when, so I took a whole week course on this and we went through all 29, seven possible subtypes because there are the, I'm gonna describe, name the first, the, th- the three subtypes. They are the self-preservation. And that means when you go into us any space you're in, your biggest concern is about your own self-preservation, your own safety, your own security, the safety and security of those you love around you. So I'll just give you an example. When I was a kid, I think I maybe said this in the last interview you gave me, I was in the museum in Vancouver, the fire alarm went off. I was out like a shot. Uh, Nobody else followed me, not even my family. Um, So that's an example of uh, self-preservation. It looks slightly different or it looks different in all the different types. So um, that's self-preservation. The other one is social. So it means, so when you go into a space, your first thing will be sensing who's in that room. So a a social type is one that really is concerned about everybody in the room, how everybody's getting along, uh, the power dynamic in the room, um, just the sense of who they might need to connect to, just have a real sense of the group energy because like there's individual energies, but every group has its own different energy. So the social types are really, really sensitive to that group energy. And then there's called either some call it sexual or one-on-one doesn't mean you have lots of sex. It just means that when you go into a space, you're really drawn to somebody. You, You almost can feel the excitement of another person. So when you go into a space, it's like your antennae are on and you're searching for that really exciting energy and you're really drawn to that one person. And when you're connecting with it, your your main concern is with that person. So the social type is really concerned with the whole group and the self-preservation is really concerned about the safety and well-being, particularly of yourself, but those of those you care about. So I'm a six. So we all have a sort of a, Um, one that we, um, is our, sort of our fixation. So my fixation is self-preservation, the middle, I'm, um, social. So that means I'm pretty healthy in the social. And then we call the blind spot is the sexual for me. Um, my wife is absolute. We're both social. We're both strong in the middle, but her top one is sexual. And my bottom one is, um, sexual. So we sort of opposite that way. Um, so for example, a six who has self-preservation, as their top, their fixation, that's where they get kind of stuck in. We're so, you're so stuck in it, you don't even realize you're doing it, that they um, are very different than say a social six or versus a sexual six. So again, again, if you can get healthy, because we need all three aspects, we need all those three energies the healthier you can get in all three. So I know I've had to really work on my sexual and make sure I don't get caught up in my self-preservation. Mm-hmm. And for me, that has come partly being a six and having self-preservation at the top. I get way too concerned about safety and security. So for me to move out of my regular career, I'm still a United Church minister, but to take the chance start using some inheritance money, do something, try to start running my own business, spend a lot of money on learning about the Enneagram and coaching. That's a huge risk. And that sort of goes against my personality type. And for the longest time, I was too afraid to do it. I was more concerned about saving for my retirement, having my RRSP, um, registered retirement savings plan, Um, I'd be more concerned about having my United Church pension plan. And even though there are times I wasn't feeling too fulfilled, um, I was too scared to try anything different. And it's taken a lot of personal growth to get to the place where I'm still, I'm taking those risks. Doesn't mean it's easy. It's just that I'm actually to take some of those risks. So,
0: That makes a lot of sense and just, again, reminds us and really shows us how there's like the wings and then these subtypes that make all of these different types so unique, right? Like you are a six with a five wing and a strong subtype of self-preservation, which would be, make you like totally different than a six with a seven wing with, you know, a different subtype. It's just right. so interesting.
1: So the, the healthier you get, so the healthier you get in all three of those subtypes, the healthier you get in your type and your wing just increases that you'll be healthy and healthier in all nine types. Okay. So, yeah. so
0: I was just thinking, like how you said If you have like, for me, for an example, I'm a four with a five wing. So to become really balanced, I would focus a little bit more on the three and see how I could become even more balanced and have those two wings so I could fly type thing. And then I would look at my subtypes. And for me, when I was looking at subtypes, I was thinking that I was a social four I was thinking that was my subtype. I don't know. I know you mentioned you don't know me very well, but um, just doing like knowing what I read and things like that about the different subtypes and how they reflect in a four, I was thinking that was my subtype. But in order to kind of balance out those subtypes, you know what you're most um, fixated on, and then you kind of look at the other two and see how you can kind of strengthen those, right? Yeah.
1: So for me, I, I get fixated on security. So the more self-aware I get, then I can start to become aware when I'm getting over-fixated on security. I'm, getting, I'm worrying too much about probably something that's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. So it's just becoming aware. So if you're your your um first one is like for me, self-preservation. I have to be watched. It doesn't get in the way of my life. Mm-hmm. And then the third one is my what we call the blind spot. So that's um the first like my self-preservation, I overdo it. And then my blind spot, I underdo it. Mm-hmm. And usually the one in the middle is the one that I'm I'm the healthiest in. But in some ways, if you can work on your subtypes first, you're just naturally going to get healthier. Some Enneagram teachers now will get people to find out their subtypes before they even figure out their type.
0: Oh, okay. That's really interesting. And I know you mentioned you took a whole week long course on subtypes. I feel like we could literally do nine separate podcast episodes just about
1: subtypes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Seriously. Now you started with nine types. Yeah. And then with wings, you're creating 18 possibilities. And then you add three more. Then, I mean, when we took that course, we looked at all nine types but all three possibilities of yes. what, what your subtype is so each type has three different ways of responding to the world and the, and don't rush into say to everybody out there who's listening don't rush into figuring out your type or your sub, or your subtype um it's it takes time it takes self-awareness so It's more about discovering yourself. It's more about learning to observe yourself and and learn to love yourself in all your peculiarities, all your uniqueness, and all the times you mess up. It's learning to have a lot of compassion. And as time goes on, you know, you'll start to get clear about who you are and what makes you tick. Mm -hmm. Because it's not so much the behavior. It's the underlying reason you behave in a certain way that helps you to tell you more about your type or your subtype. Mm -hmm. And there's lots and lots of resources out there. I noticed there is Enneagram games coming out. I've got a sort of a a card thing I could share with you sometime that using visuals, it helps you to think what subtype you might be or what order of subtype you are. Um, So there's lots of stuff out there, but just, don't assume because it's on the Enneagram, it's all good. There's like in anything, there are people that don't know what they're talking about. And, and, there's, and then there's different perspectives too. Not all Enneagram people see things alike. They see things a little differently.
0: Right. Well, no, just so much of what you just said about how really diving into Enneagram and knowing your type and your subtype. You just learn so much about yourself. And it's about loving all of those aspects about yourself and really moving forward with compassion. And honestly, that's why I wanted to have you on because the Enneagram doesn't tell us who we are. And that's like, the end of it. It's really a tool of getting to know yourself better and just loving yourself more rather than being like, oh, why am I this way? It just kind of opens your eyes to, oh, okay, that makes so much sense why I respond in this way. And then you can learn from that. That's why I've loved it so much. It's so cool.
1: And the thing is, it, just because you behave a certain way, we always would end, especially if we got into the, the yucky parts of behaviors of a type, we would all proclaim as a class, it doesn't have to be that way. So as a six, just because six have an issue, get anxious and insecure, it doesn't have to be that way.
0: Mm-hmm. Just knowing
1: that I have more compassion for myself because I know that for a six personality type, that is more likely. And other types can get anxious and insecure too, but six is it's it's, its a an easy place for a six to go, but it doesn't have to be that way
0: right okay, so I feel like I could pick your brain forever about all things Enneagram related, but before we dive into some of my more like fun questions mm-hmm. today, do you <laughs> Like when you were going through your Enneagram training and becoming certified, what were maybe like one or two things that really stood out for you that you were like, whoa, I did not know that going in?
1: Um, I guess the, the biggest thing, Meg, was um, suddenly um, having a sense of understanding a why, particularly for me, the anxiety and the worry and the insecurity it suddenly helped me to understand that this is what is easy for me to do and it just helped me to have a lot more compassion for myself and the more compassion i had for myself i was able to start facing these um be able to be open to the world and to be open to Um, start really experiencing the world through my three energy centers. Cause that's a big thing the Enneagram about is learning to be open to the wisdom that comes through the sensations of our bodies. And I've had a lot of fear around my body um, insecurity around my body. Uh, Maybe I'm definitely not Mr. Macho. (laughs) Um, So insecurity around that. And then, Overwhelmed by feelings and sensations, and worrying about them, and awfulizing, and you know, I've got a you know, pain of some. Oh God, I'm getting cancer, kind of thing. Sort of just overly fearful of things. So it's just learning to learn from our body. So it's learning to slow down long enough to be able to be aware. What is my body trying to tell me? Because our bodies are so they they give us a lot of wisdom, and we live in a culture now that tends to suppress that we're overly focused on our head, but usually we're focused on a busy mind. So another thing the Enneagram helps you to access your quiet mind. And everybody needs something different to find a way to quiet your mind. But all the different types have particular issues around whether you are stronger in your um, sensations, where you get your information from your sensations, from your, um, from your mind or from your the emotions of your heart. So it's really about taking down all those walls. So the Enneagram training has really helped me to break down some of those walls. And for me, I sort of discovered that I kind of short-circuited because my heart was kind of offline. I mean, I just really wasn't aware of my emotions. And I think most, more of the time, I thought, I thought my emotions. They really weren't my emotions. I thought this is what I was feeling, but it wasn't actually what I'm feeling. So when I found a safe place to start exploring those, and the more I explored those, the more I found peace, more I found an inner peace. And the Enneagram gives you a tool to help you to start accessing um, those parts of you that maybe you have more difficulty accessing. And everybody's going to have, um, so for example, if you're an assertive type, which is the type, um seven, three, seven, and eight. The assertive types, their the main challenge, the area of their um, of their three um, energy centers that they're most challenged with, is their hearts. And then the um, the heads, or the um, the with dutiful types, those who feel very responsible. so the the one, two, and the six the most challenged area is the head. So even though I'm in the head center, the area, the, the energy center I use the least is the head. And then for the um, withdrawn types, the um, four, five and nine, the greatest challenge for them is the, they have a hard time connecting with their sensations. So they're all weak in those different areas.
0: Oh, okay. Okay, that makes sense. But that's not saying that we can't be in touch with those parts of our body, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They,
1: yeah. yeah. So they, I guess that's the biggest thing. Is the enneagram has helped me to access my three energy centers. Mm,
0: yeah, I and love that so much.
1: A lot of healing.
0: Yeah, and it's just so much like internal, like inner work. I call it. You know, that's what I'm all about. So I feel like that's why I've completely fallen in love with Enneagram stuff. So it just totally makes so much sense. So would you mind diving into some like fun questions? I mean, all of this has been fun, but just like random questions that I've I've come up (laughs) with. Okay. So I did get a question on Instagram from one of the girls that follows me. So I thought we could answer her question. So if someone has done a assessment, um, like an Enneagram quiz or test or whatever, and let's say they scored equally on two different numbers that weren't side by side. So if she scored equal as like a nine and a two, what would you say?
1: Um... First of all, they, we all have a predominant type and there's no perfect test out there. I would never take a test and it, if it says this might be or you've tied or it's just an introductory to help you to look, start looking more closely. For for her, I would start looking at those two types and read a book. Um, it's great if you can find someone to do this work with you, someone that really knows you well, so you can... Um, have someone that can give you some really kind, honest feedback about, because we often are so close to ourselves. We, we can't, we don't even always notice or know how other people experience us. So, um, so it's just an invitation to go deeper and figure out um, when you explore the Enneagram, you'll, you'll find there'll be a number of types you're probably fairly strong in. You might have sort of three or four, or if you're in really good health, you'll find you have a lot of strengths in all nine types. But most of us will sort of have some top ones, some ones who are sort of medium, and maybe one or two we don't have a lot of energy in. So it can be helpful to know that because the ones that you're lower in just means these are ones that you need to do some further work on. For example, I learned that I was had difficulty with the assertive types. And now the universe is throwing me lots of assertive people. So that's, again, the three, the seven, and the eight. And I'm a lot more comfortable working with assertive types. Before, they just scared the living daylights out of me um, because they were so powerful energy. Um, But, yeah, I just encourage you to just look at those two and take your time. I mean, it doesn't hurt to think, I think I might be this. Um, But the more thing is, this is just a way to dive in to start who am I? What really makes me tick? And it's finding those walls, it's shining the, the light on those walls that we put up, particularly when we were a child to survive. And it's not to judge ourselves for having those walls up. We needed those to survive. But it's when we become an adult, we can sort of let our the self know that as an adult, I can take care of myself. I don't need to have these walls up but it takes a lot of time, a lot of love, a lot of care to start gradually breaking those down. Because when you start dealing with emotions, sensations, and feelings that you've suppressed for a long time, it's pretty scary to feel those. But all I can say is from my experience, it's so liberating when you start to release those. And it takes time. So I've been studying the Enneagram for 11 years. And now I'm starting to see huge shifts in myself. I mean, I started to notice sooner than that. But it it does take, um, when I coach with people, I say, if you're really going to benefit from coaching, probably about 10 hours before you start to notice any shifts. Okay. So it's not a quick fix.
0: Good to know. No, nothing's a quick fix. That's like a long-term sustainable change, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you said this person thought they were... uh, high six and two was it
0: a nine and a two
1: nine and a two yeah so again so nine is um nine is one of the withdrawn types Mm -hmm. and two is one of the dutiful types so she might want to think am I more withdrawn so under stress do I just go quietly into myself and sort of go and hide away for a while or do I start to feel really really responsible and think I need to fix it that might give you a clue as to Mm. whether you're a nine or a, or
0: a two. Yeah, that that definitely like speaks to me because my top two types are the withdrawn types. So I'm like, oh, yeah, every single time I like have a lot of stress, I'm just like, OK, no one talk to me. I'm going to go by myself.
1: <laughs> and honor, honor that. Because yeah. Yeah. We live in an extroverted world and often introverts are really penalized in our world today.
0: Oh, I definitely agree. I know I grew up, you know, through elementary school, high school. If anyone said introvert, it was like a negative like association, right? But I definitely embrace my introvertedness. I I love that part of me. So it's pretty cool. Okay. I think that definitely... Answered that question and will give her a good starting place Mm -hmm. to look into her type a little bit more for sure. So, the next question I had, and I don't want to say like these two types could never be compatible. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just kind of having like some fun here. So, I thought we could maybe talk about like Maybe t- the two types that you think would be like have kind of like the most challenges in a relationship together.
1: Okay, um, I guess first to be clear, anybody can have a relationship as long as you're both healthy. Yeah. And if you're, um, I'm I'm just going to give an example of my wife and I because I, I'm familiar, really familiar how it interacts in our relationship. So. I am a six with a five wing and Jen is a five with a four wing. So I'll just give you some of the challenges that come up and how we sort of try to resolve it is so a five is a withdrawn type. So it's really important fact five to have space to um, work through things before it ever comes out of their mouth. I as a six am much more extroverted. And I need to be able to process my thoughts, often by talking to somebody else. So at the beginning of our relationship, I mean, Jen was used to, she would just think things through, and whatever came out of her mouth was a final thought. And when I usually talked to her, it was just the very beginning. So it created some conflict when she heard me saying this as a final thought. And I said, no, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm at a." And then she had to learn to let me know what was going on in her head. Um, so I wasn't totally shocked by a decision or a choice she was making when I had no clue it was coming. So with time, we've had to you know, get to that place where I, I give her space. I give her more space to think things through and she's more willing to interact with me. So because um, I, I really do benefit in having talking with someone to know what, is the best choice for me to do. So I create more space, she's more talkative.
0: Mm-hmm. But I still
1: know we need to honor each other. Um, and it's just, and learning that we're not intentionally trying to drive the other person crazy. It's just our personalities, um, types are, are are really different. Um, I mean, example, if you were a type, you were had a, you were say a type nine and you were married to a type eight. So the nine is very quiet. Uh, they like everything to sort of go smoothly. They My
0: really mom's a
1: nine. <laughs> and the eight has a really powerful, so the, the um, nine is the energy sort of comes in. And the nine is like a gale force wind, eight goes out, and the nine that sort of comes in. So the eight is sort of like a gale force wind that's pushing forward. Making things happen and just in, in intuitively knowing what they need to be doing, whereas the nine is much more around um, helping people to understand each other. Um, and each like the the challenge for the nine is that they they sometimes don't value themselves, and they start to be afraid of saying anything that could potentially cause conflict. So they'll get they'll let a lot of things go, and eventually they'll come to the point where they've suppressed it so long, it's just going to blow up. They're going to get really angry um, because they haven't really expressing their needs. Whereas the, the eight, they they want you to be upfront. If if they're if you're annoyed with them, they want you to, them to tell you they're annoyed with you. Um, that that they're annoyed with with you. So if you're not healthy. Um, it it could end in really not a good situation because the eight is wanting to push forward. They want honest upfront information. They want you to be real with them. They want you to speak your truth to them. And they want to know that your nine partner has their back. And the nine is if when they get in distress, they're just wanting to sort of hide, run away, hide in the corner, pretend nobody notices them, keeps the peace. So again, that wouldn't be good. But if you get a healthy eight and a healthy nine, you'd have an awesome relationship.
0: Right, right. So I think it's important to say that when both people or both types are healthy and balanced, like any type combination can be a great relationship. But then If you had to choose, but we're just playing a game of having to choose. If you got like a really out of balance nine and an out of balanced eight, those might be kind of some. Well, conflict. They'd all be bad. Yeah. I I
1: really can't (laughs) say anyone that would be better because even if you're the same type that creates problems. True. Um, because often the different types, you bring different gifts into the relationship. But even your two types, uh, you're both the same. You could have a different wing. You could have a different subtype.
0: I know. It's very, yeah. very complex and confusing.
1: <laughs> so it's, um, I really don't think I can say. Which yeah, type I know. Type
0: it's definitely need. a difficult question. I guess the reason, well, first, I just thought it would be kind of a fun, interesting question. But just me being a four... And my boyfriend, Scott, is a five and we're both um, the withdrawn types. I was just curious if there was, you know, a type combination that would be kind of more challenging than another. Um, And I also wanted to ask on the flip side, just right off the top of your head, if you had like two healthy types is there a type, like two types, that would get along really well, um, or is it kind of the same thing? I, yeah,
1: I I really think it comes down to your your level of health, your level yeah. of self awareness, because um, uh, I mean, there, there's certain t- like again, if if you are say you're uh, um, you're both withdrawn. I mean, there are advantages and disadvantages to that. If you're both withdrawn, you both recognize the fact that you both need space to yourself, but there's no one to draw the other out. So it could, it'd be very easy just to stay stuck in that withdrawn. Now, if you had one that was withdrawn and the other was dutiful um, or assertive, I mean, you're sort of, you're balancing stuff. Um, but again, it comes down to being self-aware. Mm -hmm. And the troubles arise is that when we lose our true identity and we get caught in our ego, we get caught in our personality, then we're doing things, we're just doing things automatically without thinking. We're doing things that have been sort of like our, um, it's it's our, our narrative, it's our story that often isn't really an accurate story about ourselves, but it's the story we've developed about ourselves. And we just do it, we do it without thinking. It's just like, this is how I am, Um, I'm a jerk, that's just the way I am, Um, I'm gonna be a jerk. If you don't like it, tough luck. Well, the Enneagram says, no, you don't have to be a jerk. There is another way of living in this world. Um, Any type can be a jerk. Um, You may know it more if the person's assertive because they tend to be a lot louder than the others. But then if you get the withdrawn types, And they keep pushing things under eventually it's going to come out and it usually comes out in the, not a good way at all. So, um, I mean, if you had, say, if, you know, you had a one, which is really into, um, doing things right Mm -hmm. and wanting to make a difference in the world, like, you know, a one and a nine, because they both have sense of wanting to bring peace and justice and, um, no, again, if you have really healthy one and nine, that make it great. But again, any type right. that's healthy is, um, I mean, I think there's certain personalities type tests out there that will try to say, if you, if you just, you know, you, if you're this and this, you're going to have a great relationship. And if you're this and this, you're not going to have a good relationship. Um, it just really comes down to, um, are you really committed to taking responsibility for yourself?
0: Right, right, for sure. And that's definitely not what I meant. Like if you were this type and that type, then no, that's not a good idea. I just thought it would be fun to, I really like that um, example that you gave with like a nine and a one, right? So bringing out like, okay, they have those few things in common. They might be a really cool pair together, you know, like whether it's like a friendship or a romantic relationship whatever so I thought that was just a little bit of a fun question and um now have you ever thought about which animals like were related to the subtypes have you ever thought about that at all I mean uh, not the subtypes each type
1: I have a book that has sort of has suggestions about um For every type, there's an animal, and I can't remember, except I remember the six is the lion.
0: Oh, okay, okay. kind of
1: a cute number of years ago, I was doing, uh, have you heard of Mandela's? Yes, yeah. And I was doing a course, and at the end, they got us to to movement and stuff, finding out what type of animal, and I came out of this roaring lion, because (laughs) the six, at our best, were courageous, so okay. Instead of being fearful, we're courageous.
0: And you didn't want to be a six?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you're often, the one you are is often the one you, you see all the negative and you can't see all the good that comes comes from.
0: I love being a four.
1: <laughs> That's great. Because um, there's beauty in every single type. Now, the other things you, you, I think might be more helpful would be looking at your instincts. Mm. Because, for example, with Jen and I, where I have self-preservation at my strongest and my, my um, fixation, and her fixation is the sexual, and we're in the middle with social. So in one way, it probably is helpful if, if both in the, the middle has, both are the same, because that means you're both fairly strong in that one. But I know that um, Jen's really drawn to things. So when she's looking at possibilities, she's wanting to find whatever is passionate about. She doesn't really think about all the um, things like safety or cost or, um, and I overdo the other one. So you just have to at least be very aware there are some implications. Um, So for Jen and I, we are strong in the social. So I think that helps us bond in our relationship. I know I need to get more caught with my passion and take those risks and she needs to learn to take better care of herself, which she's doing. So I think the instincts would be a really good thing for a couple to explore. Um, whether you're in a boyfriend, girlfriend, long-term relationship, married, whatever, um, look at those. Cause it can help you to understand each other and help to make sure that you're meeting each other's needs. So uh, a person that's strongly um, sexual, they need passion. And the, the, the uh, sexual needs to be able to say to the other person, this is the kind of passion I need. And, um, and then, but if you are married to a, like, a person like me, self-preservation, you have to think that, yes, I do need to think about safety, security, taking care of my body, those are all good things. So it's just when you're doing things together, you need to find that balance that honors each other and that you're not blocking opportunities in your life individually or as a a couple by your fears that come from your, your blind spot or your fixation.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And I think that's such great advice for couples who want to start using Enneagram in their relationship for sure. I think it's a group. A game changer for sure
1: yeah and i think if you know if you know if you're um it's just like when you're starting a relationship and you're sort of in that place of you know deciding whether you want this to be a, a really serious long-term one is to start one of the things i would say if you if you're a person that's really hungry to grow find someone that's committed to that growth
0: mm-hmm. and the yeah.
1: enneagram is, you know find the enneagram or some other tool out there that will help you to help you to do that and to recognize your differences. And like the more I could understand how Jen sees the world, um, instead of cursing each other, we laugh with each other most right. of the time.
0: Right. And really just understanding your partner. I really yeah. love that. Yeah. yeah.
1: I've learned. If, you know, she says, oh, uh, sure. And I said, oh, you're not passionate about it, are you? It's not really interesting you. And I still haven't quite figured out what that, what she needs for the passion but it's, it's there or it's not. And I now would have been, been together for over 14 years that so I know if that passion's there. right? And if the passion's not there, it's like, well, why bother? <laughs> and she knows that I'm, that I really get concerned about safety security, but I, I have to watch that. I don't suffocate her. Mm. And she has to watch that. She still thinks of our safety and security and our money and our budget So it's a gift. We come together because Mm -hmm. we bring things to each other. The other isn't very strong and um, you can drive each other crazy too, but most of the time we get beyond that.
0: Right. So unfortunately we are coming to the end of the episode and I have one more question that I ask all of my guests. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. (laughs) Okay. So what does it mean to you to be unbreakable?
1: What does it mean to unbreakable? It means to acknowledge that I have inner strength um, and that inner strength is already there within me and around me and that I have value and worth for being me as I journey on through life. And... My goal in life is to get up every day, show up, be as fully as I can, and keep moving ahead, learning from the past, but not dwelling on what if I could have done better. I mean, it's it's wanting to be better, but it's it's being able to be just present, grounded, and a sense of well-being, and that I have something important to offer the world. So it's um instead of it's it's living in, it's been in my Enneagram language, It's being connected through my emotions, my sensations and my quiet mind, um, that I sort of always felt that I'm, I, I'm somehow being led on this journey and that I'm being open to this wisdom. And I move ahead with hope. I move ahead with joy. I move ahead with courage.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that. And now I want you to share more about the services you offer because everyone who listens to this show is definitely into personal development and inner work. And that's obviously something that you help your one-on-one clients with. So can you share with us how you work with people that aren't even local to you because I know you offer distance coaching mm-hmm. as well.
1: Yes. Well, I now call myself an identity coach. It's kind of another name for life coach, but there's so many life coaches out and that can mean different things. So the first time I meet with a person, if they are not really, really familiar with their Enneagram type, um, I do, we start with a coach, um, helping them to name what type they may be. It's again, it's a starting place to get them thinking about it. Some people figure this out faster than others. And then after that, um, I use, I get people to, they have an overall set of goals for what they want to, to achieve. But every session is a unique session. So every session we start, I start with some sort of grounding, which is either it could be just some short deep breathing. It could be sort of a guided body meditation it's again helping you to get in touch with what's really going on inside you. And um, depending on the level of comfort have, people have with connecting with their their emotions, their sensations, their thoughts, um, depends how deep we go into it. But I find the most important thing is people got to a place in their life, their life that they're just tired of the way things are and they want to do everything they can to get out of that, whether that's like they feel like there's something missing in their life. Whether it's so they keep making the same mistake over and over again, um, they're desperate for a relationship and they haven't had good um, experiences in, in intimate relationships, uh, they've got a job they don't really like, but they don't really know what to do, or they're too frightened to try something new. So that's what coaching is. Um, so we use the Enneagram and helping people to start identifying, starting to observe what's going on within themselves. So each session, I would say, okay, what would you like to focus on today? It could be something that um, happened in the past, uh, could be a fear of something happening in the future, and we just use through um, my by being fully present. I ask questions. I'm curious with what people are saying. I'm curious by their um, their how their body moves. Their I'm curious by their how loud or quiet their voice is. Um, and I just try to ask deep questions that helps them to go deeper and deeper to what the real issue is. Um, and depending on the level of comfort, I will use um, breath work. Um, so the general process is I help people to um, notice what's going on around them. So it's not just what's happening in their head. It's happening in their heart, it's happening in their body, happening in their mind. And then it's starting for them to, okay, this is what I'm noticing, this is what I'm naming, here's the issue. And then after you name it, you start to allow. So you help people start really feeling what's going on in your body, in your heart, in your head. And then you get to the point where you can get to the point where I call accepting it, which doesn't mean it's okay what happened, but you can get to the point of being in that place and not be triggered anymore. So maybe you go back and discover something that happened when you were a teenager is getting triggered every time a certain event happens. And the more you can just be in that space with the emotions and sensations you were from a as a teenager, it starts to release, and you are no longer triggered by that issue. Um, so it's it's helping people to. Um, Start seeing what are those things, what are those walls that they're putting up around themselves and helping them to um, helping them to let go of these. And what I call their, our old narratives and your old narratives might be, I'm never gonna find my right partner. I'm never gonna get the right job. Um, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. Um, I'm not attractive enough. And it's starting to let go of those and starting to discover who am I? Who am I really? Who am I really? And start to seeing the, the beauty, the wonder, um, the uniqueness that they that they bring to the world. So, so, so it's, it's really, as a person that likes to fix things, it's more of like shining the light on things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the more we can just be with something instead of repressing it, the less power it has over us.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So thank you so much for sharing that with us, for sure. And if someone wants to reach out to you and start working with you, and take advantage of your one-on-one coaching services, I will have everything linked up in our show notes. So everything's on your site, and I will point them towards your Instagram account, which is definitely educational as well, on all things Enneagram and personal development. Is there anything else that you wanted to share with us today?
1: Um, I just welcome the opportunity to work with anyone. I'm also, I will work with couples too. Um, and I'm totally open to working with any, any person, no matter what their ethnic background, religion, no religion, sexual orientation. None of that matters to me because the Enneagram can work with, with, with all people. And I just honor, I honor everyone's story because everyone has an incredible journey to share.
0: Thank you so much. These past two episodes have been awesome.